I am convinced that diversity of thought that comes through a multitude of different aspects of diversity leads to a better business decision. This is Gaining Altitude. Conversations worth navigating. Hello, I'm Jamar Harrison, and this is the Gaining Altitude podcast, a series led by Delta Airlines CEO Ed Bastian that tackles conversations worth navigating and connects people across the globe. In today's episode, Ed and Mary Barra, General Motors Chair and CEO, discuss protecting people and the planet. We're excited to have you join us. Mary, so good to be with you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you for being with me. It's exciting. We have so many things to talk about. Unfortunately, we're going to limit it only to about 40 minutes, but we could talk for a couple of hours. We've been holding these conversations with a lot of leaders uh, talking about the world conditions, you know, the situation we find ourselves in, the strength that we get from being with each other and learning from each other and encouraging each other and looking around different corners that, that each of us can see from our own perspectives. And whether it's on the sustainability front, on the inclusiveness front, diversity, equity, you've got, there's so many things we could talk about. Not to mention, you run one of the very finest automobile companies in the world. And thank you for providing me a little uh, a little ride in your, your newest Corvette this morning. I, I appreciate that. That's on the, somebody put that, I think it's on Instagram somewhere. Oh, great. They, uh, they put a little, little snippet of that. But it's really great to be with you. Uh, so I want to introduce Mary, and unfortunately I need to use some notes because Mary's got uh, a long, a long list of really incredible accomplishments. But one of the things about Mary, and she's been uh, CEO of General Motors since 2014 and chair since 2016, I, I believe. But under Mary, General Motors has created a vision that I, I applaud you with, a vision of a world with zero crashes to save lives, zero emissions so that future generations can inherit a healthier planet, and zero congestion so customers can get back a precious commodity that is their time. That's, that's an audacious vision statement. I don't know I've ever seen a company's vision statement as audacious, and I look forward to talking about that. Uh, and it's something that resonates closely with us as we build and continue to build the airline of the future. Uh, Mary began her career with General Motors in 1980. I think you were 18 years old, yes. right out of high school, right out of high school. Uh, in training, and you uh, started as a co-op to start earning some money to pay mm-hmm. for your college college career, which is incredible. Uh, you graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Electrical Engineering in 1985, followed by an MBA from Stanford in 1990. Mary serves on the boards of the Walt Disney Company, one of my favorite companies in the world, uh, in addition to General Motors, uh, the Duke University Board of Trustees, and the Detroit Economic Club. And Mary not just has great uh, a great set of accolades and, and resumes and accomplishments, but she's she's a living embodiment of of what it takes to continue to drive. Our, our companies, our generations, our world, our people, our community to a better place you know, for all. And thank you for, for being with me today. Oh my gosh, well that is so kind. And uh, I have so much respect for what you're doing at Delta. So this is gonna be a great conversation. It's gonna be fun, it's gonna be fun. So I'm gonna jump on in. Um, talked about this audacious uh, vision statement and General Motors has been around for 113 years. <clears throat> and um, yeah, I've seen, I've, I've looked at your vision statement. You've, you've had it out there for a bit of time. Right. 
And I've often thought to myself, if I brought something that audacious to my board or my company, they, they would look at me and say, wow, that's, that's inspirational. But you know, how, how, do you, how do you start to develop it and bring the team and the board and your, your, uh, your customers along the way? Can you talk a little bit about having that zero uh, vision mindset? Uh, absolutely, and it is something as we looked at how our industry was changing, and we saw a real opportunity, and with General Motors and our, our position in this country of a, of a leading market share, uh, very high brand loyalty, we started to look at, you know, if you step back, and we're very proud of our 100 year plus history, because when, it, when automobiles first became available to, to everyone, it changed their lives. It gave them freedom of movement, it changed the way they live. But as you look over that last 100 years, safety issues, impact to the environment, the congestion we now all face, we felt that we were uniquely positioned now with technology that is available to change some of the negative parts of, of you know, what has really been um, positive for people, you know, to, to get to um, go where they want to go, when they want to go, but now we think the technology exists to address some of the, the challenges that have arisen. And whether it's safety, whether it's emissions, or just making everybody more efficient, that's what our goal is. And so it, it really has served to align the GM team uh, to make decisions on a daily basis mm -hmm. under what we call zero, zero, zero. Yeah, that's incredible. And I believe you've set a vision for 2035, yes. the elimination of gasoline-powered uh for all light duty, yes, yes. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Absolutely, and you know, we we uh, believe in the science of climate change, and we know that uh, you know vehicle transportation is a contributor, and so we started to look at what is it going to take uh, because it's not just you know many people today who are buying an electric vehicle, it's not their only vehicle, it's their second, their third or beyond vehicle. But to really make a difference, you have to solve all the issues. So a person who only owns one vehicle and depends on it for their livelihood, to get, getting back and forth to work or to do their job, how can they um, you know, function and how do we make the experience even better for, from an electric vehicle perspective? And so we looked and we said, you know, 2035, that's, that's what we're gonna set the goal. And it's been helpful in the company because when you're making such a big strategic shift, a lot of times there's a lot of pockets that are saying, hmm, can we do it by 35? Or should we do this instead? When you put it out there and you make it public, everyone gets aligned and now they start making it happen. And our employees were so proud when we put that uh, goal out um, that it really has unified everyone. That's incredible. I, uh, I know one of the challenges is the, the infrastructure yes. for, for charging. and. Can you, can you talk about how you're working uh, with government and other, sure. other partners to, to create that? I, I'll use my own, I, I've been driving an electric car, unfortunately not General Motors, but I look forward to in the future driving electric, a General Motors electric car uh, for six years now. Mm -hmm. And I was on a trip, came back Sunday night late, parked outside my, my office, and I had eight miles of battery power left in my car. And so I had to, had to find another way home because I didn't have my charger with me and it was, you know, and so I love I love my vehicle. I love and, and I'll admit I've, I've had I've had that challenge a couple of times. So sometimes I forget. Mm -hmm. So how do you you create the opportunity that we're not going to worry about being able to charge when we need it? Well, you have to um, look at where do people want to charge. Clearly, the most convenient is at home. Uh, second is at work, 
and then you know point to point when we're moving you know on a road trip and so we're looking at each of those uh, to solve and make home charging easy and home charging easy if you have a garage but we also need to make sure we have facilities set up for someone who may live in an apartment and doesn't even have designated parking right. and so we're working with municipalities we're working with the federal government but we're also working with a bunch of uh, uh, charging infrastructure companies and um, utility companies, and I think it's we're all going to come together, and we're also making some investment um, ourselves as we look at what the network has to be, because it, it is one of those things. Without that charging network, people will not feel confident to buy a vehicle. So it's a uh, we have a whole team working on a variety of solutions, uh, and and I'm really in, encouraged with what the Biden administration has said because they understand how important it is to have robust charging infrastructure to drive EV adoption. Absolutely. So while we're talking about the business, I'd be remiss yeah. not to ask you about what's going on with the semiconductor issues that the industry, not just General Motors, is, is facing right now. Right. It is a tough situation. And I think uh, what's happened, and maybe you know, there's several out outcomes because of the pandemic of maybe forecasts were low at the beginning of the year, but then uh, you know, just the usage of semiconductors has, has really increased. I know on our vehicles, when people are buying a full-size truck or utility, it tends to have as much as 30% more chips in that vehicle than, say, a small crossover. Mm. And so as uh, customer needs are shifting, we need more and more semiconductors. So, you know, I think we're working on what's you know what's the short-term solution to make sure we run next week to build you know cars trucks and crossovers what's the medium term and then what's the longer term and I think um, you know we're going to make some pretty substantial shifts in our supply chain we're already working much deeper into the tiered supply base because generally General Motors doesn't buy chips right. our tier ones and tier twos right. do but now we're building direct relationships with the manufacturers so yeah. It's a solvable problem, but it's going to be here a little longer. And, and how much of it was driven by the pandemic? I think a good portion of it was uh, because I think it really, we first, I think there was, um, we didn't estimate demand right at the beginning. We're long past that now, even right. with the long lead time with chips. But I think there's just uh, a need, whether it's consumer electronics. I mean, demand for vehicles has been higher, um, higher would be higher if we had enough chips than it is right now. So I think it, it's somewhat demand-based. And then preferences. I mean, the vehicle's just become becoming more and more of a software platform, right. and that means more chips. More chips, exactly. So another accolade that Mary received just a couple of days ago, I was, uh, it's funny, I was, my, my team always gives me some background research to, to, to prepare, and I was up in Washington, D.C. yesterday, big thunderstorms in D.C., so I found myself with several hours in the airport time to go, so I did my own research. <laughs> and I saw that uh, Time named you as one of uh, the world's 100 most influential people, which is an amazing amazing honor and tribute. So congratulations. We already knew that, but it was good to see that publicly. But the point I want to raise is not simply what they did, but you know, Ginny Rometty, who's a, who's a shared friend of ours, yeah. uh, wrote, a, wrote a great uh, letter and uh, in, the, in the article kind of speaking, speaking of you, of you and why you so rightfully deserve this award. Uh, Ginny wrote, and Ginny, as everyone should know, was the first female CEO of a century-old company at IBM. Right. You're the first female uh, CEO of another century-old company at General Motors. Right. Uh, with fewer than 10% of Fortune 500 companies helmed by women, Mary Barra is a standout and the most authentic leader I know, Ginny Rometty wrote in the Times piece. One might think that more than four decades with the same employer, like her father before her, signals complacency. 
but Mary is orchestrating a major pivot at the 113-year-old automaker. She's an agent of change, and her power lies in empowering others. She urges women to go for it, knowing firsthand that too often they talk themselves out of opportunities simply because they don't meet an expansive set of predetermined criteria. That's a really nice tribute from Jenny. I was honored. Yeah, yeah. So what I want to talk about for a moment is, and I was struck by, your father worked yeah. at General Motors for four decades. I believe mm -hmm. he was a dye, dye, dye maker. maker. Mm -hmm. You've worked at General Motors for four decades. I know it's hard to believe, yeah. uh, but we're all, we're all getting to that four decade <laughs> mark. And driving such a important, prestigious company with such strong history and legacy to this audacious, visionary goal, that's, that's incredible. How, how do you, how, how did you, you, you come around, you know, kind of realizing the, the magnitude of the change that General Motors was, was needing to make? Well, it, you know, when I was in this role um, early on, we realized that there was technology was going to fundamentally change, and we made the decision very early: we're not going to be disrupted; we're going to lead the transformation. And that led us to make an acquisition of an autonomous vehicle company, Cruise. Invest in electric vehicles. It was over three years ago that we started working on a dedicated electric platform for the full range of vehicles. And so we just started making the investments because we wanted to lead uh, that transformation. And in the other Another thing I think, you know, the fact that I've been there for so long, I know so many people, and the people of General Motors are so dedicated. They work so hard. I, I like to say we have the best team on the field in the in the industry. And so, uh, when you when you get clarity, then you really open up, and, and people are empowered to do great things. They know what they're supposed to be doing, and they innovate far more than you could ever expect sitting from you know the chair as CEO or any member of leadership. So it was really unleashing the the, the people of General. Motors. Yeah. And how has the team responded? Uh, they, they love it. And one of the interesting things about General Motors that most people don't know is about 40%, over 40% of our salaried population has been with the company for less than five years. No. Uh, just due to natural attrition, yeah. we've been um, hiring a lot of people and, and they're choosing General Motors. When we put out our goal to be um, aspiring to be all electric for light duty by 2035, the resumes coming to the company increased. Oh yeah. And so um, the employees are, they, you know, and I think we all know the research says that today's graduates want to work for a company that aligns with their values and is doing something important. And they, they come to GM because of that and are, are inspired and motivated every day. Yeah, that's awesome. I've got another, another piece of research I was doing on my own <laughs> okay. here. It was, it, was, it was fun. So you, uh, you spoke at Duke. You're, you're on the, the board of trustees there. I know you were at the uh, business school speaking earlier this year. And there's a quote from that interview that really struck me. The uh, dean was, was speaking about taking organizations, and you were talking about taking organizations through rapid change, and particularly when a time when there's so many undefined you know, elements here that we're still trying to sort out where, where we're headed. Um, and what Mary said was, you've got to have a great team. What enables us to go fast is valuing diversity, and it's diversity of thought, experience, and perspective that helps GM make strong and insightful decisions. Tell me about that. 
Well, I, you know, I, our industry is so complex, and so we need different perspectives. Uh, you know, I'm very proud of our leadership team. There's people like me who have, you know, multiple decades at the company and really know the auto business. But then bringing people from other industries, other countries, other backgrounds allows us to look at decisions from multiple angles. And I would also say. Uh, our board is very diverse and has diverse experiences, and so often we start looking at the strategic direction we want to take, and the discussions either at the leadership team or at the board help us really round it out, and we make better decisions. So I am convinced that diversity of thought that comes through a multitude of different aspects of diversity leads to better business decisions. So our differences that make us stronger. Exactly, exactly. But, but how does it make you faster? Uh, I think it makes us faster, um, well, I think that's more about the culture in the company. Do people, you know, we uh, live by a set of behaviors. You know, when I first took the role, everybody said, oh, you've got to work on the culture. And I'm like, how do I work on the culture every day? But I can work on how I behave and because uh, I can change how I behave tomorrow. And so we define behaviors that we rolled out to everyone, every, you know, we, and, and people use them. They'll say, hey, in the spirit, one of our behaviors is be bold. So they'll say, in the spirit of being bold, I'm going to say this. And so so I think empowering everybody with a common language and knowing how we want to behave and treat each other allows us to move, move more quickly. I also learned that you coined a new phrase at General Motors, ventilator speed. Yes. That has become one of your favorite terms. Yes. Talk yes. about that. Well, uh, so, you know, when the pandemic first hit, I think we all knew that the world was worried about a shortage of ventilators. And so, you know, we were looking and already starting to make protect uh, masks and other protective equipment, but I got a call from Ken Chenault, and he connected uh, General Motors. He said, hey, I think you can help them. We started working with a small ventilator company called Ventec. They were making about 250 ventilators a month, and uh, we got connected and then said, how do we make 10,000 a month? And so two days after the original outreach by Ken, we had a team at Ventec in Washington State learning their production process, getting all the math data for all the parts. Within a week, we had sourced parts at a higher level. And we also realized we needed new sources. So we reached out to the automotive supply base and about 50% of the parts needed for the ventilator came from brand new suppliers. And the automotive supply base just stepped up. 30 days later, we were building our first ventilator. And I think you know when you run a company, if you said, okay, I, we're gonna put this project and we wanna figure out how quickly we can make ventilators, you know, if you could do it in six months, it would have been a miracle. But the team got it done in 30 days. Awesome. Because everybody just, you know, if they got a call for the ventilator project, they didn't, they didn't say, wait, I don't have time or I'll, I'll get to that tomorrow. They dropped everything and they did it because they knew it might mean saving a life of so someone they know. saving lives, yeah. Right, and that then gave us the confidence of, well, why can't we go that fast on other things? And so we coined the, the term ventilator speed, but it, now it's, it's a source of pride and it's kind of reframed everybody to say, how do I just cut through and get the work done? That's awesome. So. That's great. Well, congratulations. Well, I'm so proud of the team. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, it, there, there was so much from the last year and a half that we learned about ourselves. Uh, it was a tough time, but it was also an incredibly rewarding time in so many ways and the difference you made for some, because you saved countless numbers of lives that you don't know the people. And it's something, you know, when, when you get down to it, you know, you know you made a difference in someone's family. That's, that's, what, that's what makes it all worthwhile. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's rich in General Motors DNA. For, you know, any time the country has needed help, we've tried to, yeah. to you know, do our part. So yeah. it's, it's, it's part of the culture. Yeah. So one of the things I, I could use some help in 
And I talk to a lot of our, our young people coming up, particularly a lot of our young female mm -hmm. uh, employees and colleagues about opportunities to how to kind of build the career and continue to break those famous glass ceilings and, and, and take on greater and greater leadership and impact in uh, corporate America. You've done it. Uh, you can speak from a chair I can't speak from. Uh, speak to our, to our young female leaders as to some of your thoughts about how to do it, how you did it, what are some of the things to be careful of and what are some of the things to go for? Sure. Well, I think for me it started, I had a wonderful mother who didn't have the opportunity to go to college, but she believed in the American dream and she believed if you work hard, you could do anything. And so that's the way I was raised. So as I started my career, I didn't look around to say, wait, there's no other women here. I was just like, she said, I have the right to be here. I have the right to be here. I worked hard. I'm here. And that really carried me. It wasn't until I got into the CEO job that I realized when people would say to me, well, you know, now that you as a woman have become CEO, I, I think maybe I can do it. And, and it really started to impress upon me the role that I had to, to be very active in encouraging women to go for it. And so it gets to, you know, apply for the job and don't worry if you only have six out of ten of the requirements you might get it or you're going to learn a lot through the interview process the other um, thing I really encourage women is find your voice too often and not all women but what I what I see and what I've also looked at uh, the research often women won't speak up and they're thinking it and then someone else will say it or they you know they're they're worried and so I'm my big message is find your voice, mm -hmm. have a point of view. You, you won't always be right, but no one's right all the time. And I think if you, and then of course work hard. And I think if you, you know, go for it and you don't start to take your out, yourself out of a situation before you've even started, uh, and when you get that little bit of in, uh, uncomfortable feeling yeah. in your stomach, that's when you really need to go for it. Exactly. So that's my encouragement. That's great. You're, you're a great model for that, uh, that encouragement. Uh, one other topic I'm going to ask you about, and then we'll, we'll turn over to questions. I know you're a big believer in STEM education. We were talking earlier yeah. about the work you're doing. And again, congratulations in the, in the local Detroit community, General Motors, and you committed $50 million to make a difference in the lives of our future generation and our Detroit schools, we know, uh, need that help maybe, maybe more than almost any other part of the country. Uh, talk about STEM, talk about General Motors' commitment to making a difference at home. Well, education is one of our core giving priorities. And when you think about everything the country's gone through, frankly, the globe has gone through, if you, education is the great equalizer because it enables you to, to achieve almost anything. If you don't have a great, you know, whether it's preschool through high school, if you don't have a, a, a good education, it starts to limit you. So I'm, I'm a big believer that if everybody has access to great education, then they can be their best self and they can achieve their life goals. And and so we've worked hard with the city of Detroit. We have more work to do, but it's one of my personal passions. It's why I'm on the, I was on the Stanford board. I served my term there and then joined the Duke board because I, I just think education is so important. I got that from my mom. Mm -hmm. And um, and so when, when people have that education, it really opens doors. So we're committed to working, and STEM is so important because there's not a single industry that isn't being impacted by technology. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be a coder, but you should have a general understanding. And too often we find that young girls in middle school start to back away from math and science, even if they're good at it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we invest in you know, Girls Who Code, code.org, just encouraging women or, and young girls to stay with STEM, and, and then they can choose the path that they want to take when they get a little older and get to college or, or you know, take another pathway. 
it's something that we do a lot in Atlanta here, and I, I, I know our teams probably should put them together. Yeah. What we're doing in Atlanta public school systems, what you're doing, the Detroit public school systems. I'm sure there's some good learnings love that we that. can that we can work work together on. I, I love the Disney, the Walt Disney Company. Yes. I, I people ask me brands, uh, consumer brands that I admire. Disney's always the first one I say because mm -hmm. the the joy, the, the the inspiration they bring. Uh, how they are, you know, they've created the happiest place on the earth, and people really do believe when you go go to Disney, it's it's true. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? I know you've been on the board for a few years about that consumer brand uh, and things that we can both learn from the Disney company. Sure. Well, I think you and I both, um, you know, when we think when I think of great customer experience, I always think of Disney. So, I was honored to have the opportunity to to join the board. And so much about what they do from a customer perspective, I think any industry can adopt is they empower their frontline team mm -hmm. to do the right thing for the customer and to feel good about it. There's kind of a what would Walt do? And I think that empowerment they give to and they they you know in addition to doing your job whatever if you're you know uh, running one of their hotel at the front desk or you're running a ride it's really focused on is that uh, that customer is that guest going to have an outstanding experience and what can I do to make sure of it and I think that type of, of empowerment is what keeps that culture and and you know the, the leadership position they have in customer customer experience yeah it's fabulous it's fabulous well mm -hmm. I'm sure it's a fascinating board to uh, to sit on and great uh, great learnings there I learn from Bob Iger every day and now Bob Chapek yeah exactly uh, I want to thank everyone for uh, for joining us today Mary thank you most importantly for sharing your your vision your aspirations, your audacious goals. Uh, we join you on audacious goals. We have audacious sustainability goals and challenges as we, we uh, get out of the pandemic. But uh, you're, you're a dear friend and a, and a great leader, and so many of us look up to you. And thank you for sharing your, uh, your heart and your, your thoughts with us today. Well, I, I just want to thank you for having the opportunity. And Ed, you are someone I look up, look up to, have for years. Uh, watch you as, as you lead this phenomenal company and how you led through the crisis because uh, it was uh, definitely a lot of challenges waking up every morning with new ones. So thanks for the opportunity to be part of the Delta uh, experience here. And I want to thank you for being a great customer too because yeah. with our hub in Detroit, you're an amazing yeah. uh, customer, one of our most important customers. So on top of everything, thank you for that as well. Oh my gosh. Well, you, you serve the, the team, GM team exceptionally well. Right. Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Gaining Altitude. For more Gaining Altitude content, visit delta.com slash gaining altitude. And while you're there, be sure to share your ideas for future conversations. Until then, thanks for listening.